This episode is brought to you by the generous support of LawPay, a Texas member benefit provider. Getting paid just got a whole lot easier. Check them out at lawpay.com. That's lawpay.com for more details. And now, on to the show. So welcome, everybody, to the State Bar of Texas podcast. We are recording on site from the 2022 annual meeting in Houston, Texas. This is your host, Rocky Deer. Joining me now, we have two very special guests. I always look forward to this every year. We have Laura Gibson, our, well, president-elect, soon-to-be State Bar president, and Michael James Ritter, our TYLA president-elect, soon-to-be TYLA president. And for those of you that are uninitiated, TYLA means Texas Young Lawyers Association. So we, this is going to be this is going to be a great, great show. Now, before we get into this this topic where we talk about the upcoming state bar year and what we can expect, let's hear from each of our guests. So, Laura, let's start with you. Tell us what you do, and I've already told them what you're going to do for the state bar. But tell us what you do outside of that. Gosh, I guess professionally, I practice law at Denton's, which is the largest law firm in the whole world <laughs> that very few people in Houston have heard of because our office in Houston is six lawyers. So I'm board certified in labor and employment. I've been practicing law for 38 years. I do um, uh, advice and counsel in the employment space and litigation, both in the employment space and commercial litigation. So whatever happens to be hot, uh, usually on the defense side on the uh, in the employment cases and plaintiff or defense on the commercial litigation. Have you have you been able to practice law at all while you've been doing the state bar leadership? Absolutely. I actually, um, I work at the largest law firm in the world sure. and I am the number one user of the dictation services in our firm US wide. Wow. So I, the only way I can do my bar work is I have an, a phenomenal assistant, Leanne Angel, who can transcribe like the wind. So I have a hugely busy desk, and she enables me to get what I need to do to serve my clients and the state bar. So she's the secret to success. Michael, how about you? Tell us, tell us what you do outside of TYLA and leading all the young your your young lawyer army to to take over the world. All right. Well, I am senior counsel at a labor and employment firm in San Antonio. I serve in an appellate role. Do a lot of briefing and appeals on labor and employment matters that are being handled by the firm. Uh, the law firm's name is Schmoyer Reinhardt, and we're based primarily in San Antonio, but we have remote attorneys in the Dallas-Fort Worth area as well as in Houston. And Shannon Schmoyer is amazing. I saw her at lunch sitting next to Michael where he was receiving an award at lunch today. I'm, I'm very blessed to uh, have landed at uh, Schmoyer Reinhardt. Before that, I was a staff attorney at the San Antonio Court of Appeals for almost seven years. So, so Laura, is it okay if we if we kind of brag a little bit about Michael? Because I was at that luncheon and I heard <laughs> it's this. You, your award was for legal research and legal writing relating to indigent criminal defendants. Is that right? That's correct. It seems a little bit outside of my my wheelhouse. But when I was at the Court of Appeals in San Antonio, I became board certified in both civil appellate law and in criminal appellate law. And there's actually a lot of overlap between those two practice areas and over, between civil and criminal law generally. And what interested me in that particular topic, which addressed appointment of counsel for individuals who couldn't afford it, was the process by which uh, an indigent defendant's attorney could withdraw from representation because they didn't believe they could ethically prosecute it. Mm -hmm. And leaving that 
individual uh, without counsel. Sure. Um, and taking a step back and looking at that process in the larger system and how you know, we still see wrongful convictions of uh, individuals that there are a full panoply of rights um, that are implemented for criminal um, proceedings, uh, but there's always considerations for ways to improve how those rights are implemented. Wow. Okay. That's, that's pretty heady stuff. And he used the word panoply, which is, <laughs> I'm going to have to look that one up later. And I, then when I, and then I'm going to use it everywhere once I know what it means. No, this is, this is fantastic. So congratulations, Michael. Oh, thank now, you very much. All while campaigning for president-elect of TYLA, a statewide office. Well, you're one to talk, Ms. Dictation Software, while I'm, <laughs> while I'm president-elect. Okay, so, so Laura, let's, let's talk a little bit about what's coming up this, this, I guess it'll be the 2022-2023 That's right. State Bar Year. You know, you're, you're, you're going to be leading us through what, what hopefully will be a world reawakening from two to three years of, of lockdowns and caution and all this, and we're trying to get back to some semblance of normal, right? So what do you foresee for us? What do you think is, what are, what are your goals as president, and where do you think we're going to land up, say, this time next year? I have three presidential initiatives. The first one is... Of course you have three of them. Look at this. Oh, my <laughs> good. Wow. Well, the first one is dealing with succession planning for solo practitioner lawyers. Sure. So 2018, 2019, before the pandemic, right. we were already having a severe problem with our lawyers who were either dying, becoming disabled, or disappearing. Sure. I mean, disappearing. Like just gone. Gone. Okay. Couldn't handle it anymore. Left. Loved ones didn't know where they went. Right. And if you're a solo practitioner and you have no other lawyers in your office, unless your clients have consented to someone sure. else seeing their client file, the office is left in limbo, right? Mm -hmm. No one can go in without a court appointment to have a custodian attorney appointed. Mm -hmm. So in 2018 and 2019, Greg Sampson and I, from Greg's from Dallas, we co-chaired a succession task force. And um, what our goal was, was to enable solo practitioners to easily designate somebody who could come in in that situation, take possession of the files, contact the lawyer's clients, not for the purpose of taking over the work, but to return those files to the client or to send them to the client's next choice of lawyer. But then, and, I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but no. is, isn't this part of the new rules, the new state yes, ethics rules? That's, uh, well, we, we got 1304 of the disciplinary rules. Oh, that was rules. you. You, yes. you got that to happen. Yes, oh, our, that's cool. Yeah, okay. our, our task force got that to happen. Okay. We actually have 1305 is coming down the pike next, and I had hoped and wanted very much that um, the rules referendum vote would include 1304 and 1305 together because it would make more sense to lawyers to understand sure. how it worked rather than piecemeal it. But, you know, some achievement is better than none. So uh, 1304 was passed in 2021. Right. And what that allows, um, it provides that a custodian attorney has the same statutory protections as a court-appointed custodian. Sure. So that was, that was one step of our process. The other was to create a very easy um, system 
to educate the lawyers about what they needed to do in order to designate a custodian. First, they need to amend their engagement letters to get their client's consent sure. so that if something happened to the lawyer, the client would consent to that custodian taking possession of the files. Okay. And then the, the next thing was that the lawyer needed to designate a custodian to serve in that capacity. So literally, our lawyers can go on the State Bar website and have been able sure. to for two or more years Three, year, three years probably, and um, fill out a computer form saying, you know, I appoint Rocky Deer as sure. my custodian, and you would get an email from the state bar that says, Rocky, do you accept Laura's designation of you as custodian? You'd say, yes, I accept. Mm -hmm. Done. Okay. Um, and you could change it from time to time. Sure. Well, obviously when the pandemic hit, the stresses and strains of our lawyers were even more compounded. So you would think that more lawyers would be preparing for bad things happening to them, but they didn't. As we sit here today, only 700 lawyers out of our 109,000 lawyers have designated a custodian. Mm. And if you combine that with the fact that the lawyers who are between 66 years old and over 75, so 66 and older, mm -hmm. Texas lawyers comprise almost 20% of our membership. Wow. So okay. the silver tsunami is coming. Right. It's come. It's here. And it's just going to get worse. And what we've seen is we have situations recently, the state bar, a relative of a deceased lawyer came to the state bar and dropped off the lawyers' files at wow. the state bar because they don't know the don't family know doesn't what know to what do. to do with them. So, so, so your initiative. I, so, the, the rules already there, and the inf the online infrastructure is there. Your your initiative is, is to make lawyers aware of is it. Is to increase the actually get usage of this right. of this rule and this system up and running. And that that combines with my second second initiative, which is suicide prevention. Okay, sure. And. Um, getting our lawyers to understand the importance of contributing to the Sheeran Crowley Memorial Trust. Okay. Uh, past President Alan Dubois, who unfortunately mm -hmm. passed away this last year in April, um, that was his, his big initiative, and he did a great job uh, raising money for the Sheeran Crowley Memorial Trust. But in 2021-2022 bar year, we paid out half a million dollars mm. to lawyers. So we drained the annual contribution that the state bar makes to the Sheeran Crowley Memorial Trust, and it's just going to get worse. So we, we need lawyers to join in. So suicide prevention, because, you know, especially when you're working remotely and you only see people when they're on Zoom, sure. it's easy to put a good face oh, on yeah, right. for a 30-minute hearing or conference, right. and then you're by yourself with no support, and you're lonely, hmm. and you're depressed, and you don't know who to call. Right. So they know about TLAP, but I want our lawyers to be able to know the signs of somebody who's in distress so that they can do something about it. Now, th th these are very heady topics, and we'll, we'll talk you know, a bit more about those in just a second, but I don't want to forget about Michael. So, Michael, what is... What is the wildest, craziest thing you've ever done, and why is it becoming president of TYLA? <laughs> All joking aside, let's let's talk about your, your your initiatives as TYLA president. You know, we've just we've just heard from Laura about some some very important initiatives on her side. What do you think is going to be important for the young lawyers during your 
I think for, for young lawyers, uh, some of the issues are, are the same, and I'm, I'm grateful for Laura and her, her vision uh, because I do think young lawyers share some of those same issues, particularly along the lines of attorney wellness and mental health. Sure. One of the initiatives I'm going to be working on with the TYLA Bar Board this next year is a Taking on Trauma video series okay. where attorneys who have gone through a traumatic experience in the practice of law whether that's getting fired, getting disciplined, losing an immediate family member or a loved one, um, and people who have gone through those experiences and survived them uh, tell their stories and give hope to others who are perhaps going through similar experiences. The second initiative that I'm hoping the TYLA board will focus on is a project called How Texas Courts Work, okay. which is will be a website that contains information for members of the general public about the general structure of Texas courts, information and about what it's like to go through some of the most common types of cases, sure. a video series that takes somebody who maybe had just been uh, served with divorce papers right. and walks them through the process of what to expect at each stage of um, the possible um, dispute that move, as it moves forward. Um, another aspect to it would be a jury service video that can be played for prospective jurors okay. and, in courtrooms uh, before they, are, they go through voir dire and um, as well as a guide for members of the media in reporting on trials as well as uh, appellate court decisions and doing so using you know, correct and accurate information. That's a lot of initiatives. And so, you know, one thing, one thing that strikes me is that, is that whenever, whenever I talk to a non-lawyer who's gone through the legal process, they always talk about how they weren't anticipating the length of time it takes to go through the process and then, you know, the other side violates an order and then they're waiting to see what happens. They're trying to get, is that going to be part of the educational process, kind of letting them know realistically what to expect or that they can expect that it's going to be, it's not going to be the way they see it on TV where, you know, you come in on Monday and suddenly <laughs> there's a trial on Wednesday. I mean, it's, that's, that's not how it works. Yeah, when I watch a lot, of, a lot of those TV shows, I sometimes wish practice worked like it didn't <laughs> on TV where you get a case and then you're at the summary judgment hearing later that afternoon right. and you got trial the following day because it does seem for a lot of cases that can drag on for years and years and years. In the practice of law, we're, we're used to that, but clients and clients individuals are who right. are haven't gone through that process before, even if you tell them like, hey, this may take a couple of years, it... I don't think it clicks for a lot of, of clients who are about to go through this process, the, um, the kind of drain that it can be on them. Um, and I think it's important for them to have a, a good understanding and uh, proper expectations for what the process is like. Now, Laura, both you and Michael have talked about lawyer wellness, particularly mental health and mental wellness. And it's been a topic that we've covered on the podcast. It's a topic that's been discussed quite a bit. You know, do you think that there's, do you think that there's, there's ways we need to practice differently as, as, as practitioners? Do we need to make changes to the way law is practiced as a whole to try to help lawyer wellness? Or do you think it's really more about lawyers themselves and lawyers and their friends taking, taking more interest in the issue of mental health? I think it's a combination of the two, Rocky. So my father influenced me a lot. He was sure. a triple board uh, certified trial lawyer, and he, his philosophy was 
you know, college was on me, law school's on you, but I'll give you a job. Hmm. So I worked for him all through, through law school. And he taught me that as a lawyer, my word is my bond. Sure. He made me understand that a lawyer wants her opposing counsel to be as qualified as possible. He emphasized that our job as a lawyer is to make sure that justice is served, not winning at all costs. Sure. And he stressed that we have a duty to present the facts in the best light to our client, but made it really clear that we don't make the facts, nor should we try to. So I think to some extent, lawyers have lost sight of that. We think the judicial system is about us. Hmm. And does the jury think we're good lawyers? And every experience I've had in trial, the jury is not even, that's not part of their equation. They know they're not there to decide which lawyer did a better job. Hmm. Their job is to listen to the evidence and decide what the facts are and make a decision based on that. And I think if our lawyers would just step back and realize that their job is just that, and then it's up to the jury to get it right. And, you know, every time I've been involved, the jury does get it right. I think we would take some pressure off of ourselves and quit being such type A personalities <laughs> so that we, we could right. just say, hey, you know, I, I did the best I could with what the facts I had, and I had hoped for a better result. But at the end of the day, that's how the system is supposed to work. When we pile on this pressure to do everything perfectly and under the speed we're expected to do things at, knowing we don't control our client, we don't control who our judges, right? A lot of times the case may be so old that the judge changes midstream. And so there's so many factors that you can't control. And if you can't lose sight that you are not the integral reason the case is won or lost, it's an uphill battle, mm -hmm. right? So if we, if we just go back to the basics, that's, we are never going to be happy and healthy if we put so much pressure on us to do more than we should be doing. Then I think, um, I think we have to keep, I think leaders like Michael and like me um, need to, to make it clear when we're struggling, you know, to say, I've had hard times too. There have been days that I don't want to get out of bed sure. or days I don't want to bill in six-minute increments. And I, I sit there and think, how can I meet these deadlines? Right. If we share those stories, then people are, I think, going to understand that everybody goes through that now and then. So it's going to remove the stigma. And hopefully that'll cause people to get help. Well, I, I think it's, it, sounds like, it sounds like we're going to have lawyer wellness at the top of the agenda for both of you. And, and I can only speak for myself, but I think it's, it's time. And so thank you both for, for stepping up and for agreeing to be leaders of our state bar. You know, that's, I, I, I love being a Texas lawyer, and it's, it's our leadership that's really helped make that happen. So thank you both for that. So, you know, I, 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 do, I do unfortunately think we're at the end of our end of our program. So your audience will just have to wait to hear what my third <laughs> initiative is. Well, that's right. We've only done two. All right, Laura, what's the third initiative? My third initiative is to make sure our lawyers and our public understand our grievance system and our role in that. The State Bar of Texas has an arm that handles grievances. That's the Chief Disciplinary Council. That's the Commission for Lawyer Discipline. That's the Board of Disciplinary Appeals. Sure. But there is a wall between that part of the state bar and 
Trey Atfell and his team, the board of directors and the other leaders of the state bar. So we are not privy to any of that information. It's confidential information. So I think that's just very important for the public to know that the state bar of Texas is not taking political positions when grievances are filed by one of those three entities. So that's the third initiative. That sounds like a podcast episode unto itself. So we may have to follow <laughs> we'll up on that one. We'll be happy to come back and I, do that. I'm sure that, that, that may be, that we may have to follow up on that. But now we have really reached the end of our program. So I want to thank, you know, Laura, Michael, thank you both for being here. You guys are awesome. Thank, thank you. you, Rocky, for your time. Absolutely. And if, our, if our listeners have questions, they want to, Somebody wants to get more involved in the bar. How do they reach you? So, Laura, let's start with you. 713-658-4635 or laura.gibson at dentons, D-E-N-T-O-N-S dot com. Easy enough. Michael? Email works best for me. Michael <laughs> James Ritter at gmail.com. Now, that's easy. Michael James Ritter at, email, at gmail.com. Well, that is, again, all the time we have for this episode of the State Bar of Texas podcast. Brought to you by LawPay. Thank you, LawPay. Also, thank you to our listeners for tuning in. If you like what you heard, please rate and review us in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or best yet, your favorite podcasting app. I'm Rocky Deer. Until next time, thank you for listening. <laughs>